Welcome to the podcast, Estate Planning with Paul Rabelais, where we'll discuss the latest and simplest legal strategies and tactics available for you to protect your estate for yourself and your family, all in easy-to-understand terms. It's all about protecting your estate now, so you and your loved ones can reap the benefits later. And now your host, estate planning attorney, Paul Rabelais. Hey, so in this podcast, we're going to talk about really important issues that particularly affect husbands and wives or spouses who are in a second marriage and uh, are trying to determine how to set up their IRA beneficiary designations. Okay, so my name is Paul Rabelais. I'm an estate planning attorney. And I work primarily out of our, or really exclusively out of our Louisiana offices. But the issue that I'm I'm, I'm going to address in this podcast affects really everyone, regardless of where they live. And so it's a it's a real common estate planning principle when couples are in a second marriage, uh, particularly when they each have children from their prior marriage or marriages they usually or often say something like, well, as I set up my estate legal program, I want to make sure that my estate is set up so that when I pass away, all or some portion of my assets are available to my surviving spouse for his or own, her, her, for his or her own lifetime to cover needs that my spouse may have after I pass away. But when my surviving spouse later dies, I want those remaining assets to revert back to my children. So that's a real common principle in second marriages, third marriages, whatever. Um, spouses have children from prior marriages or relationships. So I'm going to go through it, but it gets real, really tricky when um, a significant and maybe even a not so significant asset that one or both spouses have is an IRA. And I'm going to call it an IRA. Some people have 401k you know, benefits with their employer or prior uh, prior employer. But for purposes of our discussion, I'm going to really refer to IRA because most people, when they retire, they roll over their 401k into their IRA. And for many, their IRA is their most significant asset. And so let me just give you an example, and I'll apply what I mean to the following example. Let's say a husband and wife each have two children. Husband has two children. Wife has two children. They each got divorced or their spouse died. Now they married, and they each have two children. And let's say, for purposes of our discussion, the husband has a traditional IRA that has a value of $1 million. And then let's also assume the husband, you know, dies before the wife and in the year after the husband dies, when the wife would typically be required to take her required minimum distributions, distributions, she is 80 years old in the year after the husband dies. Okay, so why am I setting all this up? Well, there's there's some per, some presumptions that I'm going to make. You know, the the income tax planning strategy that's most often recommended is to keep the balance in that retirement account as large as possible, take only distributions from the retirement account which are required, 
And when you do that, that will permit an IRA owner to earn investment income on deferred income taxes. So fairly common. Um, don't take the money out until you have to. Don't pay the taxes until you have to. And most people follow that advice. Yep, there is a little bit of, you know, um, people play some games and games is not the right word where if you're in a low tax bracket now, going to be in a high tax bracket later, or your beneficiaries are in a high tax bracket, it may behoove you to take out more than the required amount. But most people just take out the required amount and let the continue, let the uh, remaining balance of the IRA continue to grow tax deferred. And also note that what we're talking about, when I, when I say IRA, and I realize there's two types of IRAs, there's traditional IRAs and there's Roth IRAs, I'm really referring to traditional IRA uh, assets where overwhelmingly the large portion of IRA assets uh, in America these days are traditional rather than Roths. Okay, so a and so let's go back to our uh, example. Husband and wife have two children. Husband has a one million dollar IRA, and we know we can tell in the future uh, we have a crystal ball that the husband's going to die first, and in the year after he dies, the wife is eighty. So the husband really has, he, he wants, going back to my beginning uh, issue, he wants to provide for his wife um, because if he dies first, she's going to need money to live off of. He wants to continue deferring income taxes and enable his himself and his wife to to postpone income tax as long as possible. But he also wants to protect his children. He doesn't want just to leave that million dollar IRA to her and then she dies a month later, a year later, five years later, 15 years later, and whatever's in that IRA goes to her children. He worked hard for that. He ultimately wants it to go to his children. So he's got a couple of options. He may even have a more than a couple of options, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus on two options that he has. One is he could name his wife. And I think the people who are maybe not quite fully informed and they just kind of do this by default, they don't know any better, they just name their surviving spouse as the designated beneficiary. Some people mistakenly think that if they name their children as the contingent beneficiaries, then that somehow protects the children but it offers really no protection if the husband dies before the wife um, because she can make it her own IRA. So that's one option is where husband just names his wife as the designated beneficiary and perhaps his children as the contingent beneficiaries. The other scenario that we'll talk about is naming a trust for the spouse as the beneficiary of husband's IRA. The thought there is I'm going to leave my IRA to a trust and and I'll name a trustee and and um and my wife my surviving wife will be a beneficiary of that trust so if she has you know needs that need to be met the trustee can you know make distributions there'll be some required distributions that we'll talk about in a minute but when my wife later dies what's left in that and uh, in that IRA is, is uh, according to the trust instrument that we create, is going to revert back to husband's children. Sounds like a pretty good concept. And uh, in fact, a lot of couples like that concept. 
But whenever you're dealing with IRAs, you're also dealing with uh, really complicated uh, required distribution rules. And some people call them RMDs, required minimum distributions. So let's take a look at that and, and we'll start talking about some of the trade-offs which you have to take a good hard look at when you're trying to uh, figure out how to designate beneficiaries on your IRA. Okay, so let's go back to the first example where husband names his wife as the designated beneficiary. Pretty simple concept. It's, it's the most common form of designated beneficiary when a couple is married and one of the spouses owns an IRA. And when the husband dies, since he named his wife as the beneficiary, that surviving spouse has an ability to roll over the inherited benefits or the IRA to her own IRA. And that gives her a really powerful option not available to any other IRA beneficiary. So if the surviving wife, if the surviving spouse holds the IRA as an owner after the husband dies, then which is only available if he names her as the beneficiary, then her required minimum distributions are determined using what's called the uniform lifetime table under which her, you could say life expectancy, but the right term is applicable distribution period, is the joint life expectancy of that surviving spouse, of that surviving wife, and a hypothetical 10 years younger beneficiary. So husband dies, names his wife as the beneficiary. She's single, but her are, but if since she's considered the owner of what was his IRA, she gets to um, calculate her distributions based on the uniform lifetime table. And again, her that life expectancy, that applicable distribution period is the joint life expectancy of the wife and a hypothetical 10 years younger beneficiary. So, and so if she withdraws only the required minimum distributions under the uniform lifetime table, the IRA is guaranteed to outlive the wife, the surviving spec. In fact, it's likely that the IRA will be worth more in her late 80s than it was when she inherited it at age, you know, 79 or 80. So, and the reason I say that is because let me just, let's take a look at the, some, of the, some of the numbers. Remember, we assumed the husband's IRA was worth a million dollars. So if he names his wife as the beneficiary, she gets, to, uh, she, she gets to roll it over into her own IRA. So now she's treated as the owner of that IRA. She gets to use the uniform lifetime table. And so her required minimum distribution at age 80 is only 5.35% of the IRA, or if it's worth a million dollars, her required distribution is $53,500. At age 81, her RMD is 5.59%. At age 82, 5.85%. So if the investment performance of the IRA is greater than that uh, RMD percentage, the value of the IRA will not decrease, it will increase. And so that means that there's going to be a big 
account balance in the IRA when the surviving wife dies. But the downside of that is since the wife, the surviving spouse, is treated as the owner of the IRA, that surviving spouse, that surviving wife can then name, she has all of the control and ability to name the beneficiary or beneficiaries of her IRA at her death. So is naming a surviving spouse the uh, absolute best way to get the most tax deferral? Yeah, it is. But does it offer any protection to the IRA owner's children? Really, no, it doesn't. Because that surviving spouse, can, since she's treated as the owner, she can name her own beneficiaries. Maybe the couple will have some kind of informal understanding where the husband says, Honey, in order to continue getting the maximum income tax deferral, I'm going to name you as the designated beneficiary of my IRA. However, you better not uh, change the beneficiary after I die and name your kids or your future husband as the beneficiary because, uh, you know, I want that to go to my, I want it to be available to you, but I want it to go to my kids after you pass away. So when you roll it over into your own IRA, I would like you to name my kids as your designated beneficiaries. Whether she complies with that informal understanding uh, remains to be seen. He's going to be dead. She's going to be calling all the shots. So uh, that's the naming the spouse as the designated beneficiary. So what some IRA owners want to do, particularly, particular, particularly those who are in a second marriage, husband and wife have children from prior marriages, is that IRA owner wants to name a trust as the beneficiary, a trust for the spouse as the beneficiary of his IRA. And that trust typically says something like, after I, IRA owner, die, um, I want my spouse to get the required distributions uh, that are required to be paid to her. Um, perhaps the trust says if my spouse needs additional assets, those can be distributed to her as well. But when my spouse dies, those trust assets uh, must revert back to my children. My spouse won't have the ability to kind of redirect <clears throat> where all those assets go. And even if the trust qualifies as what's commonly referred to as a see-through trust, uh, the and we'll, we'll get to that in other uh, videos, required minimum distributions will be based on the single life expectancy of that surviving spouse, that surviving wife, which results in substantially, substantially less income tax deferral than would be available if the surviving spouse were named as outright beneficiaries and rolled over the benefits to her own IRA. Remember, when a spouse is a beneficiary, they can use the life expectancy table of their age plus a hypothetical 10 years younger beneficiary. When an IRA is left to a trust, the opportunity to get that maximum deferral goes away 
and you can only use the single life expectancy of the surviving spouse. So what does that mean? Well, let's go back to our example. Husband dies, has a million dollar IRA, year after he dies, wife is 80 years old. Because she's got to use the single life expectancy table, then her RMD is 9.8% or $98,000 as opposed to $53,500 if it was her own IRA. So almost double the required minimum distribution. At age 81, her required distribution will be more than 10%, and every year that percentage increases. So if that surviving spouse, if that surviving wife lives long enough, her and and you know the IRA was left to a trust for the spouse, the RMDs, the required minimum distributions, will cause most of those IRA benefits to be distributed outright to her, which will defeat the purposes of trying to protect those assets for husband's children when wife later dies. So when you name a trust as a beneficiary, yes, you do get the protection for the original IRA owners, heirs, or children. The surviving spouse doesn't get to name new beneficiaries, but you get much less tax deferral and much larger required minimum distributions, so much so that Heck, by the time the surviving spouse dies, everything may have been distributed out of that trust directly to that surviving spouse, and there'll be nothing or very little left in the trust to go back to the husband's children. So these are all things that have to be weighed, that have to be looked at um, when you're in, and it, it applies when you're in a first marriage and and you know, there's children of that one marriage, but the issue gets compounded when there's a second marriage situation with each, you know, each spouse having their own children. They want to make things available for their spouse, but they want to, you know, protect the children as well. So let me summarize it real quick. So you'll have an understanding of this, you know, this particular issue, which comes up a lot unknowingly. In fact, I think most Attorneys, most financial advisors, most consumers aren't aware of this issue. And that issue is, yes, you can name your spouse as the beneficiary to get the maximum income tax advantages because the surviving spouse can use the uniform lifetime table. And that will result in much smaller required minimum distributions, much greater tax deferral, but when you name your spouse as the outright beneficiary, your spouse then has the opportunity because they're considered as the owner of the IRA. Your spouse has the opportunity to name beneficiaries and really cut out the heirs or children of the original IRA owner. So what some people do want to do is they want to name a trust as the beneficiary. That seems to be make a lot of sense. But when you name a trust as a beneficiary of an IRA, you have to consider the RMD requirements where even if the trust qualifies as a what's called a see-through trust, um, the required minimum distributions to that surviving spouse will be much greater um, after the original IRA owner dies, so much greater that if the 
surviving wife lives for lives long enough, most of those assets will be dispersed to that surviving wife as a as a required minimum distribution. And there just won't be anything left um, in that trust to go back to the husband's children when the surviving wife passes away. So there's trade-offs. Be aware of that. This is just one small issue and the bigger issue of how to deal with retirement benefits. But it's a complicated topic. I hope I've laid this issue out in in terms of which you can understand. I would suggest um, that you either comment or like. Um, Let us know if you're involved in these circumstances and if so, what your thoughts are, um, because we would like to keep educating you on issues that, you know, impact um, as many people as possible. So uh, like, comment, share, and make sure you take care of your business the right way and leave leave a legacy that, um, that the people that you want to benefit from will benefit from the most the right way. Y'all take care.